reading will be from Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 20. So be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Good, good. All right. Excellent. Um, please join me in a word of prayer here before we get started. God, I pray, Lord, um, this morning that you would take your word and use it in the best way possible, God. I thank you that you, uh, your spirit's here. It's filled this place, God. I thank you that uh, we get to come together and hear your word. Lord, I pray that you would um, use these words to change my life and to change uh, the lives of those here as well. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You'll hear people say, football doesn't define me. Football isn't what Tom does. Football is Tom. This is who he is. That's Alex Guerrero. He's the trainer of Tom Brady. Uh, last week, Pastor Kyle asked a question, and he said when we were kids, uh, we might have been asked what we want to do when we grow up. Well, uh, I saw Tom Brady's answer to that this week. He said, uh, the only thing I've ever wanted to be was a professional football player. He's, uh, Tom's been in the news a little more than normal lately. If you follow any of this kind of stuff, his contract is coming up, and people are wondering all over New England whether he'll stay or whether he'll go. Uh, and the, people, the reason why people care so much is because Tom Brady is, is uh, often considered the greatest player of all time, the greatest quarterback, the GOAT, they call him, the greatest of all time. Um, so how did he get there? How did he get to this level, to the top of his field? Um, well, he shares a trait with many others who've gotten to the top of their field, uh, whatever their chosen occupation is, a maniacal focus. Tom Brady's focus has become the stuff of legend. Um, quote I read at the beginning was from his trainer, and it emphasizes how important football is to him. Listen to what he said when he was asked why he goes to bed every night at 8.30. He says, I go to bed very early because I'm up very early. I think that the decisions that I make always center around performance enhancement, if that makes sense. So whether that's what I eat or what decisions I make or whether I drink or don't drink, it's always football-centric. I want to be the best I can be every day. I want to be the best I can be every week. Strength training and conditioning and how I treat my body is important to me because there's, nothing, because there's really nothing else that I enjoy like playing football. I want to do it as long as I can. Brady's schedule every day is mapped out, and it's not just this week. It's not just this month or even through the season. Three years in advance, he and his trainer get together, and they map out every day what he's going to do. He works with a throwing coach, and the purpose of working with this coach is to refine less than 2% of what it takes to be a quarterback. 
He's trying to gain every edge that he can. Everything that he's doing is focused around being a quarterback. His treatments, his workouts, his food, his recovery, his practice, his rest. You may have heard about his diet. People a lot, a lot of times talk about avocado ice cream. Uh, his diet is meticulously curated. He's taken his sleep patterns, and he's done cognitive exercises at night to destimulate his brain. He brings his trainer with him on vacation so that he can get his workouts in. Brady underwent um, a brain resiliency program. They created this program for him. He underwent a battery of tests and neuroscans a few years back, and they created the program to work out his brain the way he worked out his body. These exercises help him quickly process information, read defenses, make adjustments. They assist with his memory, and they increase his peripheral vision and how far he can see downfield. His trainer said, this guy is year-round. No plays off, no days off. Everything is purposeful. He's willing to try anything in order to play forever. You can question his choice of purpose, but there's no denying that Tom Brady is living intentionally. He's living on purpose. We don't have to look very far in the Bible to be able to see what Jesus' purpose is. Jesus himself doesn't show up until more than halfway through the book in the New Testament. But right from the beginning, right in Genesis, he's spoken about. In Genesis 3, he's the promised one who will damage Satan. Later in Genesis, God promises Abraham that his offspring will all the, through his offspring all, will all the nations of the earth be blessed. This happens through Jesus. In Isaiah, we're told that he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds, we're healed. This was a prophecy that Isaiah spoke before Jesus was even born, and it was about his crucifixion. In Matthew chapter 1, it says that even the name Jesus was chosen because he will save his people from their sins. In John 12, it says, for this purpose I have come. Jesus understands his crucifixion is his purpose. He even asks, should I be saved from this crucifixion? No, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my purpose. In John 18, it says, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In Luke 19, Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come, why? To seek and to save that which was lost. 1 Timothy 1, it says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In John 3, God sent his Son so that the world might be saved. In John 10, I came that they may have life. We've been talking about that a lot, real life. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus was aware of his purpose. He was aware that his purpose was to provide salvation for the world. And not only was he aware, but he made every decision in light of that. The Bible says that when he was on the cross, he could have called down thousands of angels to take him off. He could have wiped everybody out that was doing this to him. But he didn't because his purpose needed to be fulfilled. He wouldn't be able to serve his purpose if he had done that. Recently here at Refuge, we've had a lot of discussions, even just among our pastors, but also Pastor Kyle has been preaching um, about our vision. Where do we believe God is leading us? And we've stated that our vision is at Refuge Church, we desire that our neighbors would know Jesus and find real life 
as we joyfully model grace and serve each other, sharing our lives and faith. And we've especially focused, as I mentioned, on the finding real life aspect of that vision. I think Pastor Joe, when he speaks in a couple weeks, might be talking about that a little bit as well. Um, well, this morning, we're going to chat about one of the results of finding real life. If you find real life, you're also going to find your purpose. When you come to find real life in Jesus, you have a new purpose in life. Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, what is the greatest commandment? What's the great commandment of the law? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you're looking for your purpose, this is it. This is your purpose, to love God and to love people. God may show you a more specific version of this purpose, or he may give you um, a specific job or something that he's calling you to that narrows it a little bit, but it will not exclude these purposes. It will fulfill these purposes to love God and to love others. One of the benefits of having a vision, ta- vision statement is that our church now has something to test anything that we do against. When we were having these conversations, um, Joe was bringing that up. We can say, okay, if we do this event or if we do this thing at church, is this fulfilling our purpose? And that made a lot of sense to me. Um, well, for us, we can look at each decision that we make and we can say, is this helping me fulfill my purpose of loving God and loving people? And if it's not, then we can strip it away. All our decisions, our actions, our relationships can be tested against this. Is this helping me love God or others? The passage that Tracy read started out, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be very careful how you live. Be aware. Be intentional. Be present. Be careful. Think about it. If you don't live intentionally, it's the equivalent of living spiritually paycheck to paycheck. Right? We've all been there at some point in our lives probably, right? You're living paycheck to paycheck. You're just getting by. You're not building any equity up. You're not saving anything. You're not really making any headway. You're just getting by. Well, when we don't live intentionally in our Christian life or in our walk day to day, we're just getting by. And this morning, we're going to look at how we can go from just getting by to living intentionally to fulfill your purpose. An intentional life is an active life. It's driven by activity. A lot of papers up here this morning. Um, It's driven by activity. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 3. It says, Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. The prize, excuse me, has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Later on in verse 17, he says, To keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
Paul was focused on what was ahead, right? He was pushing towards a goal. You can look at that um, phrase, I press on toward the goal. That also could be translated um, the finish line of a race. He had something purposeful that he had his mind on. Or sometimes it's an, an archery target. There was a spot that he was shooting for. He's clearly stating that he's moving forward. He's running the race. He's moving forward and leaving the past behind. He's focused on what ahe what's ahead. That's intentional living. He's living his life intentionally. It keeps you moving towards a target. Uh, recently, we had family visiting, and I took my niece out um, to learn how to drive a car. She'd never driven a car before, so we went to a parking lot, and I took her in my little Toyota Corolla and said, all right, look, this is how it goes. And I started to explain little things here, little things there. She was shocked that the car moves when you don't hit the gas, when you just let your foot off the brake. It's already moving. Uh, and there's little things that, uh, that were funny, but uh, I was explaining to her the gear shift and, you know, D is drive, um, R is reverse, the one and two, no one really knows what they are, don't worry about them. Um, and N is neutral, and I had to explain to her what neutral was. And this uh, reminded me of a time when I was in high school and uh, myself and a few friends were, were out driving around um, on an old dirt road and uh, there was nobody really around. It was snowy, and, you know, we were having a little fun. Uh, so uh, I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I'm pressing the gas, and the engine's just roaring. And I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, oh, no. We're in the middle of nowhere. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm 10 steps down the line already. We're in the middle of nowhere. What am I going to do? My car's broken down. It's snowing. Are we going to go find, am I going to find somebody? Well, come to find out, my good friend Rob in the passenger seat had just tapped the gear shift up to, gear shift up to neutral without me knowing. <laughs> so the car wasn't going to go anywhere. The, the engine was making a lot of noise. It seemed like it wanted to do something, but it wasn't doing anything because it was stuck in neutral. And sometimes we get stuck in neutral. Sometimes in our lives, we think, all right, I know I'm not moving forward, but I'm not moving back. I'm not hurting anybody else. It's okay for me to just kind of be here. I can just, just exist. That's okay. That's not what God has called us to. God has called us to a purpose. He's called us to move forward, press on towards the goal. Uh, there's a TV show that uh, recently just wrapped up. It was called The Good Place. And the idea of The Good Place is that there's a heaven and a hell, and that um, if you, uh, whatever you do on earth, if you do something good, you get points. If you do something bad, your points get taken away from you. And there's this point level that you have to reach in order to make it into the good place. Um, well, along the way, they added something. They found out that there was one person in history who had made it into what they call the medium place, right? The medium place was basically this one person had done something so good that it canceled out all her bad, and she was just right in the middle, but only one person ever. Well, these, these people, when they learned about this, they thought, you know, that's where I belong. You know, I'm not bad enough that I deserve to go to hell, but I'm probably not really good enough that I should get into heaven. So I just, just the medium place, that's the place for me. Well, 
we think that we can just sort of exist, that we can just try to get by. But if we do, then we're missing out on what God has called us to. We're missing out on fulfilling our purpose for our life. Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This involves intentionally changing. Conformed, it carries the idea of, of passive inaction. You're just, whatever everybody else is doing, you're just kind of going along with it. You're along for the ride. Transformed involves change. Change your mind. Don't just go along with what's happening around you. Listen to this quote from John Maxwell in a book that he wrote about intentional living. It says, if I wanted to make a difference, wishing for things to change wouldn't make them change. Hoping for improvements wouldn't bring them. Dreaming wouldn't provide all the answers I needed. Vision wouldn't be enough to bring transformation to me or others. Only by managing my thinking and shifting my thoughts from desire to deeds would I be able to bring about positive change. I needed to go from wanting to doing. We need to change. We need to be moving forward, be active, be intentional in our living. In Luke 13, Jesus tells a story. It says, a man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. The purpose of the fig tree was not just to stand there as a tree. The purpose of the fig tree was to bear figs. The, the owner said, look, this tree isn't doing anything. Why do we even keep it around? Let's get rid of it. And they say, let's spend some more time on it. And if we get figs next year, fine. And if not, then you can cut it down because it's not serving its purpose. We have a purpose. We have a purpose. We've been called to love God and to love others. Are we serving that purpose? Are we fulfilling that purpose? Are we intentionally working towards that? Now, I understand that we all have periods of life, periods of trauma, of difficulty, where it really is all that it takes for us to just get by, right? I, I get that. Believe me. In those times, it feels like everything that in us is just to make it through from one day to the next. But the problem is what I've seen in my own life and what I've seen in those around me is that when we get into those situations, it takes us a lot longer to get out of them than, than we should. They're a season of life. We need to be willing to move forward. Activity. Action. And it starts with a daily focus. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The secret to your success is your daily agenda. What are you doing every day? Are you focused every day on what your purpose is? Now, something that I've found is helpful is to, um, whether you're a morning person or a night person, whatever works for you, take time and write down, or if you're not a writer, just reflect in your mind 
what, what does the day ahead of me hold? What am I looking at doing today? And how can I fulfill my purpose of loving God and loving people? And at the same time, look at the past day. What happened? What did I do? What were opportunities that I took to fulfill this purpose? How did I love someone today? Whatever it is, or whenever it is, take a step that moves you from allowing life to happen to you and start being intentional, even on a daily basis. Now, let me tell you what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean at night you sit down and you just start overanalyzing everything. And you start saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I said it to that person. I'm such an idiot. Or I can't believe somebody I thought was my friend said that about me. Right? Or if you're thinking about the next day, you might say, all right, when I go into work today, if my boss even brings up that thing that happened yesterday, I'm going to hit him with both barrels. I got this thing that I've had in my back pocket for two months, haven't mentioned it. That's what he's getting. <laughs> right? That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the kind of reflection <laughs> that we need to have. When you reflect on the day behind or the day ahead to look for opportunities to live intentionally, that reflection, it's shaped by an eternal purpose, okay? Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 18. I know it's a little small, or excuse me, 4, 8. Um, it says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Okay? We have an eternal purpose. The things that we face on a daily basis, those frustrations with your coworker, your friend at school, your boss, your family, are those things eternal frustrations? Or are they, are they surface frustrations? Are they, are they deep concerns or are they surface concerns? God purposes us not just to live intentionally or to live on purpose, but he gives us that purpose. And that purpose is an eternal purpose. It's to love God and to love people that will make change forever. He says our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. In Psalm 127, Solomon says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guard stands watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Without God, we can still work. Without God, we can live intentionally. 
but it's in vain. It doesn't matter to eternity. Living on purpose, living intentionally for the Christian will always have eternal ramifications. For Tom Brady, his goal is to play football, to be the best quarterback and to play as long as he can. And that's a relatively shallow goal, right? There's not really any eternal purpose behind it. Now, if he were attempting to use the gifts that God has given him to the best of his ability so that he could bring glory to God, that might be different. Living purposefully can, either, can be either self-serving or it can be God-serving. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And this verse kept coming to mind as I was reading some of that stuff that I was reading about Tom, right? He's, whether he eats or whether he drinks, he does all to the glory of Tom. He does all to the glory of football, right? Are we driven by those surface concerns of the earthly world or by deeper concerns that will have an impact on eternity? 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says, Training your body has value, but training for godliness is of value in every way. It's important to take care of yourself physically. But the reason why you do that is in order to serve an eternal purpose. The end is not to take care of your physical body. The end is to use your physical body to serve God. Our focus often shifts to surface-level concerns. When we're faced with a situation at work or at school, we think, how can I fix this? How can I survive it? How can I never have to deal with this again, right? How can I get them off my back? When you're living intentionally and you're living on purpose, you think, all right, what does God have for this situation? How can I model grace and love? There's an eternal intention behind it. If my goals are to make it through the day, then I will act a certain way. But if my goal is to love God and love people, that will inform what I do in that instance. Listen to Matthew 6, 19. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths and eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Do you think that Noah wanted to spend years building a giant boat when there was no rain, there was no water, right? Probably not. He is being made fun of by the people around him. But his purpose was to follow God's command. He knew that the work and the ridicule were surface-level concerns that would be gone eventually. But there was a deeper concern of obedience to God. That was more important. His actions were driven by that eternal purpose. Occasionally, I do some work with my friend Brian, who owns his own business. And um, we go out and we do events or we open up a studio and whenever we do uh, we we pray with each other before the event and I'm always amazed Brian has kids um, he's a single income family and he's out on his own right it's just him um, for for his work and every time when we pray he doesn't start out with God please help me to sell paintings 
please provide for my family, please help me to make the right connections so that I can make money and pay my bills, right? That's not where his, um, that's not where his prayer starts. He says, God, if there's anybody that you need to work in today, is if there's any way that you can use me in someone's life, if there's a connection, if there's somebody that I can show your love to, help that to happen today. His focus is an eternal focus. It's not on the, hev- on the earthly things, but it's on the heavenly things. We're told in the Bible that life is but a vapor. In our verses this morning, it says, Make the, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This isn't our home. The earth is not our home. In Rick Warren's book um, called A Purpose Driven Life, he gives the example of an ambassador from another country uh, going and, and moving to another country and becoming so enthralled with this country that he defects and he takes on the customs and he becomes a citizen of this other country. He says that's what we run the risk of doing and what we do sometimes with earth. We're an ambassador from heaven. This is not our home. This is not what we're supposed to be uh, consumed with. We're not supposed to conform to the world. Heaven is our home. Eternal values, not temporal values, should become the deciding factor in your decisions. And it's not true only, or it's true not only of the daily decisions you find yourself in, but also the bigger decisions of your life. What we said earlier about starting your day with purpose and comparing your decisions against if it helps you love God or love people, well, that's true for the big life decisions as well. The person you marry, the jobs you take, where you live. Each of these decisions must be vetted through the purpose of God for your life. Will this help me in pursuit of loving God? Will it hinder me? Just like you take inventory of that daily life, your broader life, you should take inventory of as well. Is my eternal purpose in life driving my life choices, or is it just something that I do on Sunday morning? And it makes me feel good. If we want to fulfill the purpose God has put in our life to love him and love others, then we need to live an intentional life driven by activity and shaped by an eternal purpose. When I was a kid, I remember um, I had this dream. I always wanted there to be a television channel for a specific television show. So, for instance, if you liked Wheel of Fortune, you could turn on the Wheel of Fortune channel, 24-7 Wheel of Fortune, right? I guess we kind of have that with Netflix now, right? Now, did I invent Netflix? It's too tough to say. Um, But we want instant gratification. We want what we want. We want it now. I remember recently there was a day that Daisy has a a show that she likes, Daniel Tiger. And she was asking for specific episodes of Daniel Tiger. So I would put the episode on, and two seconds later it was, no, no, I want this one. So I'd put the other episode on. No, 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 I want this one. And it was so evident in that moment to me that she was looking for something to fulfill a desire. She had this desire and this instant gratification. She got it, and as soon as she got it, she didn't want it anymore. There was something else. Right? 
there's a deeper desire that isn't being met by our surface desires. I thought of me like with social media, right? If I'm scrolling through social media, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I find something, all right, maybe I'll like that. Or maybe it's a blog, I'll read that. And then I'm just scrolling again because I'm looking for something else. I'm, I'm trying to find something. I don't know what that something is, but I'm trying to find it, right? There's a deeper desire that, that we're not satisfying when we stop at our surface concerns. We'll never be satisfied, and we're all, we'll always be looking for what's next. That's because God has put in our hearts a deeper desire. And that's what our focus should be. We're driven by these deeper desires. Listen to what Rick Warren says. He gives five benefits of living your life on purpose. He says that it gives you meaning. If you're intentionally living, you, you have a purpose. It gives you meaning. You have hope. It simplifies your life. Does this activity help me complete God's purpose for my life? If yes, great. If no, I don't need to do it. It gives you peace of mind. You have a feeling like you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it focuses your life. You become effective by becoming selective. He says, don't live carelessly, or the Bible says, don't live carelessly or unthinking. All these things, these five different benefits, indicate a fulfillment in your life. We have a purpose, and if we live intentionally with action and with the eternal purposes in mind, then we'll feel a fulfillment unlike any other. Listen to Acts 13.36. It says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. That's like a beautiful idea to me. God had used him up. He'd fulfilled his purpose, and then he went to heaven. God had a purpose for his life, and we had used him up. He'd passed away. God has a purpose for your life. Are you ignoring it, or is it what you live for? What's holding you back from living intentionally? Maybe you came in and you said, I don't even know what my purpose is. Whether you've been here for 30 minutes since the first time you've ever been to church before, or whether you've been in church for 70 years, your purpose is the same. Your purpose is to love God and to love people. And if that doesn't make a lot of sense to you, or if you think, ah, I'm, I'm not really sure what that means, I'd love for you to come and talk to me afterwards. Or maybe you came with someone or you know somebody else here. Talk to them. We'd love to chat with you a little bit more about that. Maybe something else is holding you back from living an intentional life. Maybe it's fear of failure. I remember when I was a kid, I was the kid on the basketball team that I loved to play in practice. And then when the games came, I was like, oh, please don't put me in. Please don't put me in. I don't want to screw this up. I don't want to mess up for my teammates. They, what if we lose and it's my fault? I'll let all these people down. It might just be better if I don't go in. Get in the game. As an adult, I look back and I realize we all were terrible. It didn't matter. <laughs> Get in the game. Maybe the thought of it overwhelms you. Listen to this 
quote from uh, John Maxwell. It says, why do so many people do nothing? I think it's because most of us look at the evils and injustice around us, and we become overwhelmed. The problems look too big for us to tackle. We say to ourselves, what can I do? I'm just one person. Well, one person is a start. One person can act and make a change by helping another. One person can inspire a second person to be intentional and another. Those people can work together and become a movement. They can make an impact. We should never let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can do. A passive life does not become a meaningful life. Maybe there's something in your past that's holding you back. Earlier, we read the verse that said, forgetting what is behind and straining forward. This is tough for me sometimes. I think of all the times I've failed. Maybe I've tried to live intentionally before, and I failed. And I say, should I even try again? I hear that voice that says, how are you going to get up in front of people and try to tell them this is what you should do when you can't even get it right? Maybe for you, it's how can I, how can I lead a small group? I, I, these people know me. They know the things I've done. How can I tell this person about Jesus? He's seen me in bad moments. Paul says, forget the past. Jesus has, right? We ask him for forgiveness. He says it's gone. Forget the past and move forward. Again, don't let what we can't do keep us from doing what we can do. Maybe you are living intentionally. Maybe this sermon, really, you were like, I got this down. I'm, I'm living on purpose, right? I, I, everything I do, I plan out. Well, is your purpose an eternal purpose? Is your purpose God's purpose for you? Are you focused on the heavenly things? Or maybe it started out that way, but now you're just doing it because that's what you do. It's habit. I come to church because I come to church. It's Sunday. Or are you doing it because I love God, because I love people? Intentional living, thinking about what we're doing. I challenge you this morning, take inventory of your life and live on purpose. Please join me in prayer. God, I thank you that you've given us our purpose, that you've given us what to focus on, what to pass every decision through, God. I pray that we would be mindful of you. God, I pray that we'd remember that this life is not about us, but it's about you, and that we would serve you in that way, Lord. God, we love you. It's in your name that we pray.